Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast. Hey, happy 2023. I'm Mark, I'm your host, and I am so glad that you have joined me for the new year, new podcasts. Uh, Man, let's get started. I'm excited. Um, So I caught a news story, uh, and this one here uh, really spoke to me, I think, for a lot of different reasons. And I think this is a great one to really begin the new year. As we closed last year, we talked about a lot of ideas behind training and accountability of contractors. And starting the new year, this story kind of out of the Boston area, it was a foods facility, frozen foods, which I am familiar with. My In my past, I did have some experience in the frozen foods world and with the uh, ammonia and a PSM system. So it, it had enough ammonia to fall under process safety management. And so I, I do have some understanding, even though I'm nowhere near what I would say an expert in that. And this one came out of Boston, and it was in late December. Um, basically, unfortunately, uh, one person was seriously hurt, uh, and another was killed in an ammonia release. There is still an investigation going not really sure. Some of the news did interview people who were around saying that a truck driver could smell it. He saw a man that came running out. Uh, the man was not doing well, like he may have fallen off something or jumped off something to get out of the building. The fire department couldn't completely respond because of uh, the ammonia levels. It took a full hazmat team to go in. Uh, it also seemed like that the hazmat team was external And they didn't have the know-how of how to shut the system off once it was leaking because there wasn't uh, one key slam valve that could be closed or whatever would be needed to make it stop. They weren't educated. They they, They didn't know the system, and the people who did know the system, it appears, weren't equipped to be able to go in and handle it, which is beyond me on uh, another level, certainly. I think uh, what really caught me is the fact that what happened was a, or at least is believed so far, that there was an HVAC contractor and somehow a a line was severed 
Uh, this wasn't just a, they call it a leak. To me, this was a complete like line severing dump event that there was a complete loss of their system of ammonia, which is extremely dangerous. And ammonia is used in a lot of ways. I mean, in, if you're around agriculture, we they spray it on fields to for nitrogen. Uh, in the refrigeration world, it's used as a very nice refrigerant, uh, in some ways a very safe refrigerant if you keep it in the system. But even if it's not in the system, minor leaks are very easily detectable. You can smell it, you can leave. So it's disturbing that this could happen where someone could sever a line, not know what they were into, and cause something as large as this evacuation and for significant injury, death, uh, needing external sources to come in and work to try to remedy the system. And my first thought is that with an ammonia system, one of the key things before you set someone working on any type of hazardous chemical, OSHA required, this is part of the HAZCOM standard, this is why we had MSDS, or now SDS, as I know it's been already been a few years, but it's still some terminology that lingers, so I say both. But the safety data sheets and training, that's one of the key specific items that people need to be trained. And even with a contractor program, whoever enters your facility, you should be educating on the hazards of that. Even if it's a visitor, they should know what the alarm sounds like. They should know this is the fire alarm, this is the severe weather alarm, and this is our hazmat alarm. And here's what you do when you hear these alarms or you see these lights. It's as easy as putting it in a pamphlet and handing it to people as they come in the door and, hey, can you sign off on this? Letting them know that this is what's here. And as a contractor, if someone is going to be working in or around, and this is only for PSM, which is disappointing because... This organization may not have had enough ammonia to be PSM. If they were required to be in the PSM program, they were required to train any contractor that was around the system. If they're working in or around the system where they could have any incidental contact, they needed to show training and some exhibited demonstration of knowledge of what was happening. And my other question is, was it clearly labeled that that was ammonia? It was it a bright orange, a bright yellow uh, with labeling showing direction? Was it properly labeled to say, hey, this is a live ammonia line? And I'll take it even one step further that one thing that I think of even more is that if this organization was there to even work on the ammonia system, which I'm highly doubtful that was the case. It doesn't seem like this was the case based on what I can find, but could come out. Uh, why was it not turned off? So it it seems like they were still ref running refrigeration. So that's why I'm, I'm skeptical that they were there to work on the ammonia system because it should have been turned off. Some block and bleed, some, some true like pipe management to make sure that we're not leaking the substance that we're trying to work on. So I'm thinking they were not there for that and that somehow the line was cut wrong. That is my my assumption. That is my guess based on just being around a long time. It feels like they were working. They got into something. They thought, oh, this is where we're supposed to cut. Whether it was, maybe it was labeled wrong. Maybe somebody hung a tag. I don't know. Because <laughs> usually what we would do is either spray paint cut here or you would hang a tag on it that said this is safe to be removed 
there was a methodology of determining where you could cut. And plus, you had to trace it back before you could cut it to make sure that it was already blocked and bled, that it was turned off. Verification. It's a simple verification in some cases. In here, they cut into it. Um, one person escaped by evidently jumping. One did not make it out. And that's unfortunate. That shouldn't happen. This is one of those that I look at and go, so many things could have happened to prevent something like this and for it to be bad enough that even the fire department had to call, say, we can't get in there. And then the hazmat team having to do something that they weren't really prepared for. They knew that they could go in, but were they aware of being able to how to turn it off? What's the easiest way to just shut the system down as quick as possible so that we can get to the to the victim because they couldn't get to the victim because of not being able to get in there. And then once it was just way too late, I do want to talk a little bit more about emergency response. I think that's kind of my theme for uh, 2023 as I kick the year off. I've been talking a little bit uh, about emergency response to people around me. So I want to continue that conversation when we come back for more leading and learning through safety podcast. It's time to rehumanize the workplace. Having the means and methods to engage and empower your team is more important than ever. Fortunately, TSD Amalgamated is here for you. They focus on better understanding your organization's culture through team building, safety auditing, personal assessments, leadership training, and compliance-based systems. Their staff has the training, knowledge, and experience to help you achieve safety compliance and beyond. Visit tsdamalgamated.com for more information. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, thank you for joining me. Excited to start the new year off. Um, Got my blogs going again. I hope that continues. Hope that doesn't taper off like it did last year. But also continuing with my, my love here of the podcast. So let's keep going and talking about this uh, late December ammonia leak. And one other item, and we were talking really left the last half and came back after that very short break, <laughs> like it's last year or something. So as we've uh, continue on, we're talking about emergency response. And with this ammonia leak, it feels like the emergency response plan really wasn't as robust as I think it should be. I think it could have been better. Maybe it was compliant. Maybe it was where it should be. But usually there is a way of disabling, slamming, closing in some form or fashion in a very quick way uh, or easy way if you're using external responders. Like there's one key valve that they could go to, to to handle and maybe there wasn't training on how to do it. Maybe they hadn't visited in a while. Uh, I, I don't really know because generally speaking, I have tried to have relationships with external responders to teach them if something happens, here's where you go. If something happens, we are a fully trained hazmat team. We have our 24-hour hazwopper. We're going to suit up in level A. We're going to go in and seal it off because we know the equipment. Or if you're relying on external, you need to train them. And you need to make it as simple as possible to stop the flow. It needs to be 
just as easy as it can be because they may not, they work on, I mean, you can imagine they work on, they could respond to anything in the area, any unlimited amount. So when it comes to that emergency response, either your internal team has to be ready, willing, able, fully trained, fully prepared, ready to suit up and do what they need to do, have that coverage 24-7 to get in there and do that. Or you need to make it to where it is easy enough and trained, practiced, drilled enough with the external responders that you know what to do. They know what to do. And you feel comfortable that if something were to happen, that you're reasonably ready to respond and any part of the program when you're looking at a risk analysis even if you're under psm amounts if you're working with a hazardous chemical you should have some some kind of analysis of worst case scenario and in this case i wonder if they were prepared for a subcontractor or a contractor coming in and hitting a line either drilling a hole through it dropping something on it breaking it and how would you respond if it's 2 a.m and the worst case scenario happened, would you be ready? Could you do it? Would you be able to get in there and make the the changes to make it safe as fast as you could? Or is there a procedure for rescuing people first? Um, Worked with a really great emergency response team at a previous job, very well drilled, run by a super, super guy who designed it and helped train it. And we were, I mean, they could in level A gear, shut the system down, uh, rescue anyone they needed to rescue. Uh, everyone was communicating. If we couldn't account for everyone at muster stations and try to find people, search and rescue first, make safe, multi-teams that could switch in and out. Uh, very, very robust, trainable system. But let's take it a step back for even at home or around you, are you prepared for minor emergencies? So let's say the power goes off. Do you, do you have a little bit of extra food and water that you wouldn't have to prepare just in case that you had a storm come through the area and you lost power when you're out and in at the mall or shopping somewhere, are you aware of where your exits are? That if there was an alarm of some kind, would you be able to exit that building safely? Do you know where you're at in the building so you could find a way out reasonably so? Uh, if you're someone that maybe you have been trained before on your first aid CPR AED trained, or you uh, have used a fire extinguisher before and you feel comfortable using one, what if you were in a location and a fire broke out? Would you be able to find that fire extinguisher if you felt comfortable? I'm not saying be a hero. I'm <laughs> just saying, would you know where it's at? Do you remember the last one you passed? Uh, do you remember where the AEDs are in certain locations? If you're walking a lot of malls now and a lot of places have an AED hanging somewhere uh, just in case. So for those of us that are trained, do you know where that was at? Do you, do you recall that I might even have one? I'm trying to do better about that situational awareness, even in my own life, of thinking about, oh, I just passed that. That's good to note in my mind that, hey, I just passed something that might be important if something happened. Also at home, do you know what to do if there's an emergency in your home? Like if you have an oil fire on your stove, do you know, no, don't put water on that. Have you talked to other, you may know it, 
Have you told others? <laughs> it's it's always funny when the emergency happens. The person who's the most well-trained is usually the one who's not around to get involved. It's someone that might have been trained or someone else that's involved. So <laughs> always, have you told someone else about, have you shared your knowledge of just kitchen safety, of making sure that if there's a fire, how do you turn it off? How do you put the lid back on it? Are you prepared to use a small fire extinguisher in a home if you need to? Do you know where to evacuate? Do you know where to go to? Even as simple as do your kids or grandkids or someone living with you, do they know that they can call 911, that that's the emergency number? I think it's important that this isn't something you just learn. Uh, it's something that someone has to teach you. You don't wake up one day and realize that there's a phone number that you can call. It seems ingrained at, at my age of what you would call, but a lot of people may have never heard it before. So even mentioning it, that if there is an emergency, there's a number you can call that will help you and make sure that we know that. Are, are you aware of the poison control number? So basic items that are very, to me, it's nothing more than really talking about it as a family or as going out into the community with your friends. And yeah, I know, I, I'm the safety guy that, yeah, I'm out with my friends. And I'm like, hey, did you have fire extinguisher? <laughs> it's more fun when you're hanging out with other safety people because then we're all doing it. But, uh, you know, then I'm out there by myself with other people and they're like, wow, that's a weird dude. Eh, it's okay. At least, at least we'll be okay. We'll be safe, right? <laughs> anyway, so just think about how you're prepared for wherever you are, even having a first aid kit available, something that's important. So anyway, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode about the In the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I uh, enjoy talking about emergency management, ammonia systems, management of contractors, and I look forward to what the new year is going to bring us so until next time we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.